a lot of coaches aren't even utilizing social media. That's f fair enough. But those that are and are investing a lot of time maybe don't recognize where they should be spending the time because they're not really tracking the way they're getting leads and then how those leads are converting. So you're just saying you started investing some more time in TikTok and you're recognizing that the conversion rates are the same, but the show up rates aren't quite the same. Walk me through a little bit of your discovery because you've been so deep in social for the last two, three years. You've that's the, all you've been doing, right? Yeah. So I guess, yeah. yeah, what have you been learning about those audiences that you think are helpful for anybody else to know? Yeah, well, I would say with a month's worth of data, it's TikTok. Like I've been doing TikTok a lot longer, but I haven't been it been putting any focus there i would mm. say my focus is instagram but tiktok has way shorter attention spans fair enough and yeah. so i'm thinking that's where the correlation to actual show up rate is a little bit less yeah. um it's you know it, i have like 99 percent show up rate on instagram mm. when on tiktok it's maybe 80 percent. okay and it's, it's a lot more rebooking so they end up coming but it's just more hard on my schedule because I'll have three calls booked right. today in my TikTok reschedule. Right. And so then you just got to find more time. So it becomes a little bit more of a pain in the butt, but, um, but there are leads on TikTok. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for those that don't know you, a good way to kind of kick off the conversation in a more official way, given of why, why I think we should have this conversation is your remote coaching business. You've been in the traditional coaching world for a long time, but over the last couple of years have been just, full steam ahead, the remote coaching side. So maybe talk us through the transition and, and kind of the, the aha moment for you going, you know what, I feel like I can just go full tilt in this. Yeah, no, well, first off, I was exposed to coach now and you years Long ago, time. like, yeah, yeah. Right around the beginning time for sure. Yeah. 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 And I've always seen it as a really good resource in the space and I've used it pretty much for eight years, um, but I've never used it honestly as much of a profit center. And when the pandemic hit, um, I had to reevaluate everything. Mm. I had no way to see clients in person initially. And so that's whenever I really decided to create an online revenue stream in an online business. And I do full steam ahead into it, not knowing when I'd be back to working with people in right. person. And I can say two and a half, three years, wherever we're at now, years later, I'm successfully online remote and absolutely love it. And then that's, is that a hundred percent of the business these days is the remote side? In terms of golf coaching, I still have some fitness clients that I see in person. Okay. Um, but phasing that out as it naturally happens. I still enjoy it, but um, the reality is it's a much bigger business online. That's incredible, man. So this is kind of a cheesy kind of typical question, but I think it's helpful for us to understand just as we kind of try to pick apart some of the learnings that you've gathered. If you can think about maybe the number one thing that you feel you, you've really put into play over the last couple of years during this remote coaching adventure that's, that's bared the fruit that you've wanted. What, what would you say that is? What kind of comes to mind? Authenticity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Speak to that. Yeah. So the beautiful thing about social media is you can be yourself and people can quickly grasp who you are because you have your feed posts and you have your story posts. 
And there's a lot of personality involved by just being you on social media. And people have the option to decide on whether or not they like you or don't right. like you. And it's okay. Right. People can like you, people can hate you, but the people that do like you are more likely to choose to do business with you. And I kind of like showing up on social media and being myself. So it's worked out very well for me that way. But I never wanted to lose sight of authenticity. Yeah, that's great advice. And and from a mechanics standpoint, what kind of software are you using, if anything, to schedule content? Because it's a lot of work, man. So are, are you using anything? Or are you just going yeah. into each app and posting separately? What are, you, what are you doing? No, that's a great question. And so the one of the hardest things initially when you get into the online space, you like want to think that there's this awesome way to offload that mm -hmm. piece. But I would say that's honestly probably the most important piece for my business. So therefore, I've never offloaded that. So you're not using any so auto post scheduling I, software or anything because like you're teeing up posts ahead of time and they go off on a cadence. So every day you're grabbing the phone and, and posting something in the specific apps. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Which is also what makes it unique, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people get on social media and be like, am I actually talking to Andrew? Am I oh, not? Sure. And mm -hmm. for me, the customer journey is about authenticity. So by the time they're on a call with me, they're honestly sold because they've just been like, man, As I can't believe be. how much you've communicated yeah. with me in the process. Yeah. And that's just part of my business model. And so naturally you had, I, I had to go all in because of the way I've set mm -hmm. this up. If I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to be there, well, I can't be standing on a driving range for eight hours right. a day. Right. Just so, and that's kind of my point of differentiation. I say, look, if you're going to work with me online, I'm going to make myself available to you because that's what you're paying right. for. Um, versus a lot of my competition might treat online remote coaching more as golf lessons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you're paying me for an hour and I'm going to, or, and I'm going to show up and coach over a video and send you what it's to do. Like and the exchange like interaction based pricing instead of actual coaching. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so I'm sure, you know, but in my marketing, I'm big on coaching versus instruction, 100%. not hating, mm -hmm. just, just differentiating. Mm -hmm. And cause you have to, as a potential student, you have to understand the difference because completely different price structure. Yes. Because you're working people through a 90-day kind of transformation plan, right? And they're Correct. paying you monthly or are they paying you up front for those three months? How's it working for you? Yeah, so I do paid in full option is my most common right. choice right. that students will make. But I will also create payment plans where I add on a little mm -hmm. bit of a monthly mm -hmm. fee. Um, so they pay more if they do you know, payment plans, but that doesn't fit everyone's budget. So I have to find ways to help people. And um, yeah, the cool thing is it's really shifted the mindset of the student. Yep. The student used to think that the only option was going to see a golf instructor in person or going to a golf school, like a weekend, yep. two, three day thing. And my whole thing is what if you were able to ask questions? What if you were able to get fast feedback? Yep. How much better would you get? Because you're willing to show up and put in the work. And I think the biggest downfall of what we were brought up in this industry, what did the PG of America teach me to do? Taught me to give an hour yeah. lesson. Yeah. And we all went on and did it. 
And the more successful I am, the more I charge for that hour. But eventually what you find is, well, you're busy for call it eight hours a day and you can only give attention to the student that's standing in front of you. Yep. And if the pandemic never happened, I don't know if I'd be sitting here telling you this story, but quite honestly, what happened was when I started this journey, I said, if I started it all over, how could I give the most value to get the fastest results for my clients? That's how I built this business. And now I can say successfully two and a half, three years later, the journeys I've seen clients make in 90 days are insane. I've had two clients in the past 90 days shave 20 shots off their scorecard, 90s to 70s. That's unheard of. But it's because they were willing to show up, put in some work, and I was available to coach them. Yeah, and you're providing, I think, one of the biggest reasons we created the platform that we did is so that you can have those dynamic feedback loops and you can shorten the time between the feedback, right? And so obviously seeing someone in person, you can still use coach now to capture the content and stay in contact between those sessions. That totally works for you. You've opened up your audience to a global audience of anybody that wants to get better. You're creating expectations. That's a big thing that we always talk about, right? You got to set the expectations. It's you're creating a relationship reframing the way they look at the development process, not just a quick fix lesson, which nobody, it doesn't work. We all know that yet we keep selling it. And then when I say we, I mean, just the, the general public of, of coaches and teachers, but for you, you recognize, cause you've worked at a, in high performance. We, we should talk about that too. Cause I think that yeah. lends itself to you thinking this way, uh, as far as the coaching protocols, but from the remote standpoint, you're selling people these 90 day transformation packages. What kind of expectations are you setting for them as far as minimum, maximum interactions, what your minimum, uh, maximum are as far as what you're expecting from them because they're posting in coach. Now you're doing a mixture of live calls. Um, you know, maybe walk us through a little bit of, of how you're doing that level setting for folks. Cause that's incredibly important. And a lot of coaches freak out about that part, not understanding how to set that up. Yeah, no. Well, the expectations set on the initial call, whether they choose to move forward or not. But I tell them all the time, the best question I get asked from the most successful students is, what are your most successful students doing to get the success that you see in my marketing? Mm. And I said, no, great question. And if they don't ask that question, then I will bring it up on them. Yeah, that's a great question. I want them to have clear expectation, which is you would be amazed at how much less time you think that it requires to actually get great results. Because I tell people, look, if you focus on one thing at a time and you give me 15 minutes a day focused on that one thing, whether you're working on it through what I call my best method, my body drills, my exercise drills, or my swing drills that I deliver to them for their specific customized game plan, you're gonna make a massive transformation because you're actually focused on one thing and going into that practice session with purpose versus I'm going to go hit a large bucket of balls a couple times a week, knowing that putting in time into something typically results in success. Right. But Which is not the case. golf, there's a lot of moving parts. It's, yeah. just, it's just not the case. Yeah. And so that's where most people have the frustration. So you set that expectation. Look, I'm not asking for an hour of balls a day. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking for every single time that you're willing to go put in work on your game plan, check in with me so I can turn around and give you fast feedback to one, make sure you're doing it right. Two, if you're not, I can give you the, the tweak that I need you to make for the next day. 
because then you're chiseling away, getting a little bit better each day. Mm -hmm. In the traditional model, you might hit it great in the lesson. You leave on a high. The instructor feels like he executed his, his role, which he did. But then what happens when you start to struggle a couple of days later and you have questions, you have doubts, your confidence drops, your performance drops. So you sign up for another lesson and you just go through this up and down flow. The way that I'm trying to handle it is if you put in work and you turn around and check in with me and I'm there to give you fast feedback, one, not only are you, am I making sure that you don't have two bad practice sessions in a row, but two, because you got fast feedback from me, you're learning with me. You're starting to self-identify, oh, okay, I see what Andrew sees on film. That's oh, huge absolutely. because yeah. I, I believe that it is my role to empower the student to become an educated golfer on their own swing and where they're actually trying to go. We're not going to work together forever. So when our time is done, are they in a place where they can maintain and still get better after our time together? And if they are, then I did my job. Yeah. So we talk about it in a, in a very similar fashion where we use directive feedback versus calibrative feedback. So someone comes to you, you're directing it in the very early days and you want to flip it to calibrative feedback as soon as possible because you're empowering them to understand what they need to work on. You've created a shared language and generally after those three months, obviously if they want to continue working and excelling in the same, at the same rate with understanding that there's going to be plateaus along the way. Cause there's at a certain time when you're a scratch golfer, it's, it's more difficult to make those big gains than shooting in the hundreds, et cetera. Sure. But you're giving them the tools to self-assess and for you, the more people you can get to that calibrative state, you're generally giving them just quick little nuggets to keep them on track. You're not detailing this large plan. So in a way you have more room, right? You have more room to bring on more clientele because you've moved people to this new phase. Yeah. Call it maintenance, whatever you want to call it, but it's still having the access to ask questions when you need it. And me helping flip make the flip from more of a technical practice focus to more of a gamified or randomized practice giving them a reason to go hit balls today to actually check up on your proficiency with your distance wedges any area of the game yeah so maybe i think that'd be helpful actually for a lot of coaches to understand the phases in which you're running people through it so it Working with tour players, you understand this better than, than most, right? You have your technical phase, kind of your pre-competition phase, competition phase, rest phase, right? So there's certain times where you're going to be diving hardcore in the technical pieces, but you're not going to do that 24 hours right before a tournament unless the person's, you know, totally a basket case and shanking it or whatever, and they can't get the ball in the air. But for you, you're, you're talking about, okay, we're going to, you're going to come to me. We're going to do some pretty hands-on technical piece, technical work. We're going to, but we're going to focus on one piece at a time. And then eventually we're going to be working you towards practicing differently, right. To, to work on the actual scoring components versus the technical components. Maybe how do, how do you, how do you explain that to the average golfer? How do you sell them on those ideas? Cause I think that's just super important from the expectation standpoint. No, absolutely. Well, what I've come to, I have a category categorization in my head of like truly the process I've seen with students. Mm -hmm. So basically I feel like the average golfer, if you can get them to a point where they can make consistently solid contact, they're capable of shooting in the nineties. Now, if they're able to control the distance that they hit their shots, Mm -hmm. 
they're most likely getting to a point where they're able to break 90. Yep. It's then whenever they can create predictable curve control is when they're capable of breaking 80. And so I've kind of seen those like phases that. play like out that. in my three years of mm -hmm. remote coaching. But then I, every student, once they start breaking into the 70s, okay, what, what is the next phase? And it's, it's typically, if you're 85 or under from a scoring average, that's whenever I'm going to start introducing gamified practice, actually giving them, okay, when you go hit balls today, this is what I want you to go do, and then report back to me with some numbers. And it is mind-blowing how much better students get because you put them in a position where they actually, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I love practicing, but when I go and hit balls, like how often do I just end up hitting the targets and right. having no actual responsibility or recollection of like, okay, why was I doing that? Right. So when you actually tell someone to go do this, check back in with me, now there's actual accountability on the student. Yeah. And they're actually reporting back to me like, oh, I hit my wedge this distance when I make a full swing. I hit my wedge this distance when I hit a three-quarter swing. Well, that's kind of useful when you go play golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think. Um, yeah, and I, 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 yeah, it's just so interesting to me. Well, I, I guess having been in the business as long as I have, I mean, I've been doing this almost 20 years, the whole world of golf, whether it be coaching, playing, and now the coach now side. But really, there's such an opportunity just to help people practice more effectively, specifically in the skill, really hardcore skill sports. Um, baseball, golf, things that you could practice by yourself, right? That don't require a team, basketball even, right? So anything that you don't necessarily need a full team to practice, there's so many opportunities to shift it. And I think there's so much, for lack of a better way to say it, there's so much money in it to help people practice more effectively. Yeah. There's just not a lot of people focused on it because they're all about, in the golf world, the 10-minute slice fix or whatever, Yep. instead of creating actual plans for people and keeping them accountable. So when, when people are checking in with you, what mode of media are they typically doing? Is it text, video, audio? Cause we have a lot of surf coaches that are just doing a lot of audio check-ins like, Hey, I went to practice today. This is what I did. Just kind of curious what, what you're using, what you're finding successful in the coach now. Cause we can do all the stuff, right? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So I do communicate up front that you can reach me by text, voice message, video, and image. Most common is video submission. Mm -hmm. I have them submit face on down the line of whether it's a body drill, swing drill, or exercise drill. Just one video per um, camera angle. And then not all the time am I using lines. Like I'm right. trying, I've actually really converted away from not using lines, but talking through positions yep. so they can start to see. I use the categorization of P1 through P10. Okay. I like to educate on that them on that upfront because then we can speak the same language. Whatever it is, as long and as you have the same it. language, right? That's the key. Exactly. Yeah. When you have that, it's really cool because then they start checking back in using the language. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say number one is video. Two is text message because every single time they check in, I have a check-in template. And I, what I love about it, and I kind of created this organically, and I will tell you, it is a game changer. Hmm. Because when you tell someone to tell me what, why, and how, what are you working on today? Why are you working on it? And how did it go? Give me feedback. Yeah. What I learned is, again, it gave them more intent 
in that practice session Absolutely. when they have to actually answer the questions. Yeah, far too often, man, I've been beating up coaches about this for 10 years. Far too often, they just let their athletes submit a video with no context. Say, oh, I mean, okay. their swing could look perfect, but I don't know how they hit the don't ball that whole session. Exactly. <laughs> no, nothing. Exactly. So yeah. then the immediate question when I've had athletes do that was, well, how did it feel? What kind of feedback are you looking for? Right. Give me some context. Right. So I think the idea of a feedback template, brilliant. Right. And you're going to set it up to match the way that you like to coach, but you're setting up the athletes, as you said, to be thinking about it during practice and during the submission. So they're more prepared on just even maybe the video that they might even submit because this video shows more and gives more information, even if it wasn't the best swing or something. Right. No, absolutely. And I will tell you again, going back to my intent, which is set up on the call in terms of speaking to setting expectations is when you go play golf, whether you call yourself a coach or an instructor, we're not there, right? You're playing, you're alone on the golf course. And so taking it back to my responsibility, the way I see this role is if you work with me, by the end of your time working with me, I want you to be able to self-identify out on the golf course when you hit your miss hit, because you will, you're human, Mm -hmm. what went wrong from a body aspect and what went wrong from a technical aspect. If you can identify those two things, you can, with a higher level of conviction, make that on-course adjustment. And so when you look at the model of having them check in with a feedback form, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. They're educating themselves. And then I'm there to say, yeah, you saw it correct or no, actually look at this and they're learning and it's an educational process. But by the time every student goes through 90 days, I think more than the feedback is very consistent, whether or not they shaved a lot of strokes or a few strokes, they would all say, the amount I've learned about my own swing and what I need to be doing moving forward has been where the value has really lied. Well, and, and, and that's awesome. Absolutely. And, and I think if you even took that a step deeper into the emotionality of it, right, they feel like someone actually cares. And that, absolutely. Right. So whether, whether they even got a lot better, let's just say they didn't. Right. Mm-hmm but they knew that they had their coach in their pocket and their coach cared if they practiced, their coach cared how they're feeling, how they're doing. That's the business. And, I, and I've talked to a lot of people in the higher echelons of all these PGA groups across the world, because we work with a lot of them. I said the majority of the reason I believe, seeing the way that I do, that people are quitting golf or it's not growing or they're not showing up, they're leaving their memberships, is because nobody at that facility cares if they show up or not. Nobody cares about their game. Nobody's checking in on them at all, right? No. But for you, no. you are, right? So if you had your Andrew Banner golf course and golf club, people would be showing up all the time because they feel like people yeah. care. You would probably have a nice little community of people as well because they're the same kind of golfer, right? So there's yep. just so much opportunity in that and uh, just focusing on the relationship. Well, and that honestly goes back to what you said at the beginning when you asked me, you know, what is the one word? And um, when you look at the journey through social media to the conversations we have and DMs to then having a call through Zoom um, and then being coached by me, they had that authentic experience where they truly felt like Andrew cares. And I do. And for me, it's about 
helping people have more fun out there and becoming a more educated golfer. If I can accomplish those two things, I truly feel like I'm growing the game and growing the enjoyment of the game. And when I speak to that, it's really funny. It's cool to have a wife that is not a golfer naturally. However, I taught her to play golf from scratch, left-handed and right-handed. And she's actually pretty good both ways, which is really unique. It was a test on my part. I wanted to see how she would perceive the information. And we didn't actually figure out which way she played until about a year later because she was good both ways. Wow. Um, But the reason for saying that was um, she makes a really good point. And she goes, I don't understand why so many people see golf as their hobby whenever so many people spend a ton of money trying to get to a level of enjoyment. It's a hobby. Most hobbies in life, you can instantly go do it and go have a good time doing oh, it. Absolutely. But so many people spend four hours out on a golf course, frustrated, yeah. swearing, coming home, angry. Their wife has to see the ugly side of their husband when they walk in the door. Right. And it's my job, our job to expedite the process to where they can actually even get out there and enjoy it. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about, but it's true. <laughs> oh, well, there's such a big learning curve. And I, I think one of the biggest problems in golf is the expectations continue to go along with the improvement, right? So yeah, that's why Coach Now, I think, is so powerful in the relationship side of things as you're trying to, let's say, say sell another 90 days or another 60 or another 120 days of improvement. So we have a lot of coaches that do annual training plans, right? And so at the end of the year, they're saying, okay, it's time to renew. You're a junior that's trying to get recruited. I'm helping you do that. And the parents go, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. And you, you look back throughout an entire year of documented training and you go, well, so-and-so, the swing looked this way. Now it looks this way. The scores were this and now they're this. Just because their expectations have gone way up doesn't mean there hasn't been marked improvement for this whole year. Cause I think these golfers that you're talking about that drop 20 strokes, it's like, well, I dropped 20 strokes in the last 90 days. I should be dropping another 10 in the next 90 days and another 15. And so golfers just continue to be pissed off even when they're really getting a lot better. And it's such a strange mindset. It's not as typical in other sports as it is in golf. And I, and I'm not entirely sure why, but Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I'll be honest and maybe it's, I'd have to reflect and like figure this out, but I actually don't deal with that all that much. And it's potentially because of the whole client journey to this point Mm -hmm. and to where they truly buy into it's one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. It's slow and steady progress and progress is tracked in changing the pattern of the swing mm-hmm. and then also changing in the performance of actually seeing strokes come down. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, like people, you're saying that a lot of the problems with the expectations is they, they measure their success solely with the score they're shooting, not with the other levels of improvement. So that that's the trap, yep. right? Is that there's so many other ways to get better versus just the score on the scorecard. Yeah. I mean, I had a student check in today for his, he just started and whenever he had his initial swing breakdown, you know, he's, he's only three years into the game and he's already capable of breaking, breaking 80 occasionally. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he had his golf swing broken down, his first check-in was a voice message back to me of like, holy crap, I'm all in. This is amazing. I didn't realize how messed up my swing was. And it wasn't about me. He's an athlete and he's found a way to score, Mm -hmm. but with a 
a swing that has a lot of flaws in it. And so my point for saying that is he's going to enjoy the journey of not only upgrading his swing, but also seeing the scores come down. Yep. And a lot of people just don't know until they actually have themselves coached. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You don't, you don't have a direction you need help. And one of yep. the biggest things I found for coaches that are having success in whatever sport they're, they're coaching is that during those phases, as we talked about a little while ago, each practice practice session during those phases is going to have a different goal orientation. So what is success for this practice? A lot of times it's not going to be in golf, how you're hitting it. It might be, Oh, I actually made a swing with video with the ball in front of me. That was pretty close to what I'm trying to do regardless of yeah. where the ball went. Right. And then eventually you're looking more for the results of what the ball is doing, et cetera. So it's, it's clear that you're helping people understand that, but maybe, is there any other kind of language you're using to help people understand that each practice session is going to be a little different or there's going to be a progression or any of that? You know, Spencer, it's obvious to me now it, it, it just clicked. So it's weird to think that I can't speak to everyone, but when you're doing the in-person lesson business, most of the time your students are calling, scheduling, showing up and paying mm -hmm. in this online remote coaching business, it's quite a journey to get someone to make a purchase with me. Okay. And so by the time they've made, by the time they've gotten onto a zoom call, which I take 45 minutes to an hour to interview, it's a, and I tell every person it's a two way interview. I am not going to sell you if I don't think we're a good fit. Right. And I also want to make sure you're comfortable working with me. And so not only are expectations set, but also there's a trust that's been built in that entire process. So by the time they've made a purchase, um, they completely understand the process. Yeah. And I think that's what the difference is. I'm not having, my students are truly asking me, okay, where do you want me to go now? They're not ever giving me that pushback like you might have of like, well, I'm steeping over the top. I need to work on this. I saw this on Instagram. Right. Like I don't have those fights with my students and I don't ever have a student coming in being like, this is what I need to work on today. Yeah. No, cause I'm guiding you through a developmental process, not a one-off exchange. Yep. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when we chatted as far as how many people are saying, well, just send me your swing and I'll analyze it for $50. I'll tell you, essentially, I'll tell you how bad you are and then good luck. Right. And then send me a swing exactly. a month from now and I'll tell you how bad that is. So that, that drives me crazy. That's clearly not what you're doing. Let's, I got kind of two questions that keep coming up as we're talking here. One being you're selling the 90 day transformation. That is your, your offer. That's the, the secret sauce of what you're doing. Is there a moment within that 90 days where you are consciously get, trying to get them to another 90 days? Like, is there another upsell or is there another sell opportunity or is it more of them coming to you saying, Hey, I want another 90 days. Like, cause you want to retain business, right? It's hard to get new business. So you Absolutely. want to retain them. So what kind of re retention mechanisms are you getting them to buy into that? I'll next? be honest with you. I think that's my biggest opportunity to improve okay. as a business owner. Um, currently I'm about a week out having a conversation about, Hey, you've got seven days left. We've got options. And I schedule kind of an exit interview, um, to where learn where I can improve, but then also see where they stand. And then I have that conversation taken care of through a zoom call, a shorter zoom call. And, um, 
but I'm building out a lot of things on the back end to have a lot more automation to have um, email campaigns, text mm-hmm. campaigns where I can actually help bring that process along. So it's not just me and my time, but um, yeah, no, I, I think that's where I could definitely improve the most. And usually the way it naturally happens at this point is people are just reaching back out to me like, Hey, I want to continue forward. Right. How do I continue forward? Right. So that that's could be 50, 60, 70% of the people. Right. But then there's those, those kind of outliers that are kind of on the fence and any business as you, as you kind of even stated, but I'll just speak to coach now. Our whole objective is obviously to acquire customers for the least amount of money possible. That's a no brainer. That's your objective too. But then our core objective is to retain those customers and make them more valuable every single year they're with us, right? So that's how you have a healthy business. So one of the, the metrics that we focus on is net retained revenue. So essentially what that means is that you keep a customer on and you make them more valuable and you measure that in percentages. So an easy example would be, Andrew, you are worth 130% to us, let's just say which means we retained okay. you. So you paid us the full rate that you paid us last year. And we increased the amount of money you paid us this year by 30%. Right? So imagine a business in which you were retaining 90 plus percent of your customers. And oh, in total, your business was at about 130% because you're covering that churn and you're taking the bulk of your database and increasing the revenue. That means- Sign me up. Exactly. Right. So that means you don't need nearly as many new customers. Yeah. Right. So when we speak about retention, those are the things that we really focus on. And that's why you don't see massive advertising campaigns from us because we're really focusing on all of the things that I just mentioned. And I'm encouraging coaches to do the same because most coaches aren't savvy enough to run ad campaigns and to manage all that stuff on their own. It's a whole, the whole thing. Um, it is. So in the retention world, you're going to introduce a little bit of automation. Is there anything that you are maybe thinking about saying, okay, well, we worked for three months. We got to know each other. Your goals as a golfer are actually to be a competitive player, which I'm sure some of your athletes now are identifying as that. Is it now, hey, here's the six months, here's the annual, or have you been thinking about that kind of stuff too? Or is it always these kind of 90 day periods for you? Uh, no, that's been the developmental process that I've been focusing on as a business recently. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that as we speak. So currently it's not super structured. Mm -hmm. It's kind of client to client Mm -hmm. because I know them so well. So it's like, okay, I know what your goals are. Let's talk about it. And then let's quite honestly, I'm allocating it after that Mm -hmm. and figuring out, okay, what is the perfect offer for this person? Um, and so, that's what it's about. But I will tell you that it's really interesting because doing a 90 day coaching business and having high success with my students in terms of them getting what they want from it. There's also a high percentage that just want to go and enjoy golf now. Yes. But what I found with them is really awesome is that six months later, they're like, okay, I'm ready for more. Sure. And then they come back. Yep. So I'm getting retention on, taking break and coming back, yep. which is again, why I'm building out more automation to continue conversations, continue to, to give value yep. and drip them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in coach now, because I've never automations too. and coach now we have those automations to a certain extent now too. So just to give you some clarity for not doing this already, 
you can use a, a list, right? And once people are no longer in your 90 day program, you move them to the drip list and then you can schedule posts in the post scheduler to drip to that list, right? So obviously you can email them because you have their email address, you have their phone number in a lot of cases probably too. But with even within the Coach Now universe, you can have some of those drip campaigns built out. Absolutely. And I actually just created my like active, non-active list Great. and I'm going to start using those. It's, I, I you currently use the scheduled post the most effectively with my active students. Uh -huh. Um, so the way I do it is when I onboard a new client, I instantly go in and have my like, um, accountability posts mm. pre-scheduled, nice. which in a dream world, the one thing I would love to see is when I create, think about it. When you create a, um, template that's coming. Yeah. I would already like to have that all done. So I don't have to one by one go in Yeah, post because we built, it's beautiful. They think it's truly me message. Absolutely. Them. Yeah. So we built the mechanics of the, the kind of the ground layer of the understanding for the API, right. To just do what we wanted to do. And yeah, post scheduling within a template will be the next thing where you can have your onboarding template, your back to body basics template, whatever, and you can schedule those at any time. Yeah. And so you'd be dripping all that stuff on somebody. So the way that I look at it is that, and this maybe branches off to the next part of this conversation. It's like, well, okay, Andrew, you are having a lot of success. You're doing remote coaching. There still is, even though it's leveraged, a time for money exchange in your business right now, right? So now we need to Absolutely. now we need to figure out, okay, how are we going to get past that? Not ex not a hundred percent, but more so, yeah. uh, so that you can have a little more scale leverage in your life. So one of the things, this is why scheduled posts we built it in the way that we did, and we're going to keep adding to it is that for those that aren't quite ready to buy into the 90 days, you don't want to lose them. So it might nope. be Andrew's 30 days to better something. You sell yep. that to them for X price, and then you just drip it on them within Coach Now. There's a tiny amount of feedback built in. You say, hey, I'll do one analysis for the, for the 30 days on this particular thing. And, that, and you just keep selling those over and over and over again. So... Talk to me about some digital products, some ideas you've got, because I know you've got them. Yeah, no, that's actually the part of the business that I'm working on the most aggressively right now. And that's actually, I have a question for you on that, mm -hmm. because I guess probably the previous one will kind of answer that. But that's exactly what I feel like would give me the opportunity to have something for the people that can't make that mm -hmm. commitment up front and do the 90 days with me. That's exactly what I want to have, like a eight weeks to X each week something gets dripped yep. to them. Yep. Um, but I don't want to have to schedule it every single time because I'm going to sell it to a lot of people. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, in, the, so in the short run, what you, where could, yeah. In the short run, what you would do, which is not as leveraged is that you would just tag the content in the library to make sure that you have it really teed up and then yes. you just go through the library and you have, you would just have it like, um, 30 days, as a tag and then you'd have the next tag number one next tag like short game or whatever so then it, it essentially gets it all in a row and then you plop it in there it's not as streamlined as what we're going to do but that would be the shortcut if you wanted to at least kind of test the idea because we do have a lot of coaches already yeah. doing it in that way and then we're going to cool. streamline it yeah yeah because that was the thing i was like if i scale this and then all of a sudden i have a lot mm -hmm. it's going to be that's a job another way to do it is using groups 
And so within a group, you can have content already sitting there and you can invite as many people into that group as you want because there's controls in the pro side of things that allow you to uh, set it to where they can't post, they can't reply, and they cannot see who else is in that group. So Correct. you could have the 30 days to better something and you have your module one, module two, module three, and they can go through it kind of as a, as a moduled course on their own time. It wouldn't be dripped to them in the same way, but it does give It'd you other opportunities. Yeah. yeah. So you can kind of look at how you want to structure your content. Cause we're, I'm doing both. I have the more evergreen approach, which is the content's already sitting there. You go on as, as your own pace. We do that. And then the other one is, is slightly more interactive because it feels interactive for the end user. And then you might build in a little bit of accountability within that private environment. Um, so the yeah. ticket would be higher. So the way I would see it is that the do it yourself version would be just for stupid numbers, 20 bucks, the 30 days drip campaign would be 90 bucks. And then working with you would be, you know, a lot higher than that, but it just kind of gives you these exactly. tiers in a way. Right. Yeah, no. So that's exactly where my mind's at now. So uh, I've built my business first off of high ticket offer. Mm -hmm. And now what I want to do is create a modular program step-by-step -step to X with, with me, without me. Yep. And so um, the done with me version will probably include a weekly group zoom call mm -hmm. and then also a weekly swing check-in. Yep with feedback. Yep. And I'm so excited to roll this out. I'm building it right now, but that's going to be really fun for me because quite honestly, when I first got into the online space, I felt like golf was the one space where I didn't want to do that because I truly understand that everyone's unique and they have yep. their individualistic needs. So I wanted to go that high end route mm -hmm. and have had a lot of success with it. But now I can say coaching as many people as I have online. I've also found so many similarities where I'm like, okay, now I have the perfect product to deliver to these people to where I know it's, I can help someone that's been playing golf for a lifetime and struggling or someone who's new to the game and wants a step-by-step -step process. Because what people want is they want to put in work and know that they're doing it the right way. Yep. And if I can provide them with that step-by-step -step game plan, then they can actually get to a level of enjoyment faster. I can tell you if I were to go, about. knowing what I know now, if I were to go back into active golf coaching, right? Let's just say I left coach now and obviously had the software to help me do it. But all I would do, my 100% niche, everything I would deliver would be on efficient and effective practice. That's it. Because what I know from what I used to do working at these academies, right? If you set people up in the right drill stations with the right level of feedback, their swings will change without them even knowing it because otherwise Correct. they're going to hit set hit the, the foam noodle or whatever it is. Right? So if you help people do that, there's not a lot of reason to hyper customize it until they reach a certain level of plateau. And so there is so much opportunity as long as you're creating these feedback loops and helping people set up practice stations effectively, monitor their practice, uh, understand what the success metric for this practice is, how to then transfer some of that practice onto the golf course, right? There's just endless opportunities within that world and not a lot of people are focused on it. And it's just, that's the bulk of the market. So saying that, 
one of the biggest conversations, or I shouldn't say biggest, one of the most frequent conversations I have with coaches is how to niche themselves out, how to, how to be different. Part of that is your ideal customer. And if you're posting all this stuff on TikTok, Instagram, it's a, it's a crowded market. There's a lot of golf content on there. So how are you standing out? How are you getting that cust that kind of ideal customer? What kind of languages are you using? And who do you not want to work with, right? Because that's also maybe a polarizing way to identify the right people too. Yeah, no. So, I mean, one, I would say, again, being authentic is, I would say, my point of differentiation, one of them. Um, meaning that when you go on to, let's just use Instagram, where I would say it's the biggest, maybe TikTok's going to pass it soon. But in terms of where the most golf content is consumed, and YouTube's on there as well, yep. a lot of the shorter videos are just purely tipped based. Mm -hmm. Golf tip, quick fix. And that is a part of my content, but it's definitely not the majority of my content. And so speaking to the golfer and what the problems are that they face and how I can overcome those, help them overcome those creates more relatability. And maybe not as many views, you might not grow as fast as the super tip person, but the audience that's paying attention will more like more than likely be a customer. Exactly. Because you're trying to use social media to create followers that are willing to make purchases. That's the whole, yeah. Everybody gets so stuck on the vanity metrics rather than a business, right? And it's, it's just, it, it sounds crazy when you say this, but it's not about the followers. Uh -uh. It's about the quality of followers. So, it, it, and sometimes I even get lost in it. I'm like, man, my page isn't growing that much. But then you look and you're like, well, okay, I had a hundred new followers this week. And I know that most of my followers are actually potential customers. Well, who wouldn't want a hundred leads in a week, right? hundred percent. Yes, 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 yes. So many people get so trapped in the, I need a million followers. And the algorithm isn't supportive of that. As you well know, most of the people aren't even yeah. seeing your content anyway. So for nope. me, the way that I've been consulting coaches for a long time, and I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear your thoughts on this, is if you looked at the funnel, right? And I know you know this language very well. So if you looked at the funnel, social media is one entrance point to the funnel. But generally what you're trying to do is to get their email address. The more email addresses you get, you win, right? Would, yes. you, would you tend to agree with that? Because then you can control the conversation. Absolutely. Any, any successful business is worth its database. And mm -hmm. a lot of people lose track of that. But essentially, if I'm trying to build something bigger than myself, at the end of the day, if I were able to build this much bigger than myself and potentially have an opportunity to sell this, it would be because I had a database yeah. that has dollars tied to it. And so for me, collecting name, email address, cell phone number is a very important part of my process. Yeah. And I think what I've been, like I said, consulting coaches on more and more is like your CTA from all of the social, anything that you're putting out there, YouTube, et cetera, the CTA must include, give me your email. Now to get that email, you need to give them something in return, some sort of lead magnet. In your case, you're maybe not doing it in the, in as scalable way because you're pulling people into an audit. I could be wrong yep. though. Is there an intermediate step of if I don't want to book a call with Andrew, can I still give you my email address and will I still get something? No, that's a great question. And so again, that's what I'm about to roll okay, out cool. because I was so high ticket focused for the, 
up until now still. Um, as I am switching and I'm going to have some lower ticket offers and mid ticket offers. Yeah, I'm working on that right now. And then I'm going to be building up my drip campaigns from a text perspective and from an email perspective. So I'm going that direction. I'm not there yet. Um, literally building it right now. So I know you're, you're looking for these different tickets or lower ticket offers. One of the things I've seen really work just from a point of chatting with you about this is uh, quizzes. Yeah. So they fill out a survey, then they book the call with you, right? So there's something in between intermediate layer so that you can at least get their email address a little easier uh, and they might get something in return. And so it would be take this quiz and then you'll get, you know, Andrew's uh, ebook on XYZ. And if you qualify, I'll yep. follow up and we'll book a call. Like that's how a lot of coaches have done it just to make sure they get the email. The other thing I would say, just as you're thinking about building out all of these different offers, the number one advice I would give anybody having done this and seen this for 10 years, pre-sell it before you build it. And you, you likely know that yeah. already, but I just, I would be remiss if I didn't say that because so many coaches I run into are spending yeah. 30 or 40 hours recording and doing this and doing this and then nobody buys it. Right. Yeah. So, that's exactly how I started in this space. I was pre-selling and then I built it live yeah. and recorded it. So That's any of these lower ticket offers, yeah, pre-sell it, pre-sell it on social, pre-sell it to your existing audience, whatever. Hey, would you be interested if I hit these bullet points and you could go through on your own? Great. I'll lock you in at the grandfathered price of this. When it goes to retail, it'll be this. That way you have potentially thousands of dollars in the bank to build it instead of building it and hoping that people will... Uh, buy it. Well, and when you understand how to utilize social media as a tool, the best tool it's provided me from a marketing perspective is, well, if you use your stories and your conversations as what do you want to see? You get to communicate with your audience or potential audience and they're telling right. you what they test, want. You get to test so a lot of ideas. that. Yeah. Exactly. By all the stories that I post and the polls that I, yeah. I track yeah. all that. And good, so good point. that's how my products have been built thus Great. far. I, I know exactly how to create content because they tell me they like seeing yeah. that. So I just keep building it and posting it. So as, as we kind of get close to wrapping up, where do you see, uh, kind of, uh, I'll start with this one. Where do you see YouTube in your world? Cause I, I've personally been encouraging a lot of coaches to spend more time there. Uh, just because it's yeah. indexed, their content lives on forever. Whereas in the other worlds that you're having success, a lot of that content doesn't have staying power. Uh, and coaches, yeah. if unless they're in your position where they're going full tilt, it's a pretty hard machine to keep up with uh, and stay on top of the algorithm. So just kind of curious, I know you have a little over a thousand followers or subscribers on YouTube. You're posting stuff on there, probably not as regularly as the other platforms. Just kind of curious where you see that in your in your funnel and where you're if you plan to invest on that more or do you feel like nah that's not really where you want to head so as of right now i would say it's so far away that it's not super yep. on my radar um and here's why i would say that for me the way i've built my model it is going to be more of a useful tool when I have a mid ticket and a low ticket okay. offer so people can watch a long form video and then go and make yep. a purchase 
people aren't going to watch a long form video and then make a purchase with a high ticket offer typically without, so, without the call, they might, right? because the, right, without the yeah. call, I'm trying to cut down on efficiency to a yeah. purchase yep. by doing that. So if I'm using YouTube, I need to have something to offer so that at the end of the video, they are like, all right, I want right. to buy from it. And me. then they're going to be upsold to the high ticket uh, eventually. Yeah. Correct. And climb the ladder. I think far too often, a lot of coaches are trying to be everywhere. And it's so hard because you, you don't really understand so the intricacies of each platform. And, and to your point, if you're posting natively on Instagram or natively to TikTok, there's some editing things you can do to make it stand out more. That even if you're using some sort of scheduling tool, like I we use later.com occasionally, it, it's good for getting stuff out, but you can't customize it in the way that might make it go viral or give it a chance to get picked up a little bit better. Yeah. So real strategic, which I think is incredibly important. Last kind of couple points here. I know you've invested in education around the business side of things. We at Coach Now are providing more and more of that. But just talk me through the kind of entrepreneurial mindset that you've honed over these last few years, especially, right? And a lot of the investments that you've been making to really tune yourself up and get ready for this. Yeah. So at this point, I've invested a lot of money in myself to become an online entrepreneur and to have the confidence to make the decisions to go all in on this online business. And when I look at it and I think about all the money I've ever spent in terms of education, the education in myself for this online entrepreneurial business has been the best investment I've ever made because every single thing I learned turned into return on investment. Versus when I took a college education, I got out and then I had to figure out yep. how to make money. Everything I've done in terms of online entrepreneurial things have resulted in ROI, which is really cool. I mean, it, I will never stop investing in myself at this point. I'm incredibly impressed with you done, with what you've done. That's why I wanted to have this conversation. As you alluded to, we've known each other a long time. We didn't even cover your background all that much, but I think what you're able to provide today, super tactical, really important information. I think great things for any coach in any business to consider, especially at the end here, as you're talking about investing in yourself. I just, I just can't preach that enough. There's you just never stop learning and especially invest in yourself as an entrepreneur, not just more technical certifications around your particular sport. Because as you well know, if you cannot package up that knowledge and sell it systematically, and hopefully soon sell it systematically 24 seven, you don't have a business, you're gonna burn out. Yeah, so what I've realized is I love coaching. I love helping people enjoy golf. And it's an opportunity that's earned to be able to coach students. And that's the hardest part of the business, getting people to show up, pay you money to help you let them take them to their desired goal. And so learning the skill to bring clients in the right. door is the most important part of this business. You can't help them if they can't find you and you can't help them if they don't sign exactly. up and you can't help them if you're not building out systems to help them be retained and cared for in your business. And you're doing such a good job of that, man. So I am stoked to see where you're going to be another six months from now, another year from now. Happy that we can continue to support you in that invest in our partnership. And uh, I know we've got some top secret stuff too that we're going to be working on here over the next uh, six months to a year too. So thanks, man. Really appreciate you being here. Well, 
Thanks for having me on. And I hope this story resonates with people, but I will tell you that your product is by far the best product in terms of actually being able to coach students around the world. So thank you for providing the best app in the space. Thank, thank you, man. Really appreciate that. So with that, again, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you next time. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you later. Thank you.